Hey there, you've been invited to Arty Party. My name's Jay and I will be your host. This is a fortnightly radio show and podcast that brings artists and creatives together to make connections and celebrate their craft. Whether grassroots, emerging or established, anyone is invited. And together we chat projects and passions, events and exhibitions, artistic insight and advice. Today's discussion is based around the topic of artificial intelligence and how it is being utilized in the arts world. We've gathered together in the studio three artists or creatives who include artificial intelligence in their work in some way. So let me introduce you to today's party guests, Musilian, Tyrone, and Phil. My name is Phil, also known as Implied Lies on all of social media. I am a third year social media management student and I currently am in the world of digital and AI art. I'm a little bit older than most of the students, closer to the grey hairs than anybody else on my course, which is nice. But yeah, no, it's good. Also a final year student at the University of Sunderland, just like Phil, is character concept artist Tyrone Santiago. Hi, I'm Tyrone. I'm studying animation and games art. I'm more digital, but now getting back to my roots to traditional. And for my dissertation, I'm looking into AI art, which is why I'm here now, given the opportunity from Jay. It's the influence of AI in the industry. The title is AI in the animation industry and how they could progress from art to animation because they've already been progressing from art, games, audio. What, um, what's, the, what's, it, what's stopping it to progress to animation? So for the dissertation that I'm doing, I'm looking at the negative views of AI art and how it would affect the industry moving forward. I want to explore the capabilities of AI art. Personally, I'm for it. But for the dissertation, I will explore people who are against it as well. And good friend of the show, Odette Johnson, a.k.a. Musilian. You might not know this, but Odette created the music that we use for the Arty Party theme tune that you can hear right now. Odette's work, Bird Jammin', is on display at the moment at the Vinyl Outcry exhibition at the Hills Art Centre. And the visual component of that piece involved using artificial intelligence as part of the iterative process. Hi, my name is Odette Johnson. I also go under the name of The Musilian. I am a primarily an audio artist creating sound pictures, utilising field recordings, found sounds, synthesizers. I also do a lot of visual arts and I am on the fringes of the AI world where I'm slightly on the fence. So I do use AI, but then I try and humanise it. AI, but trying to humanise it. That's, yeah. That's what I do. Wow. That's what I'm doing. Where did you first encounter AI and think about it in terms of how it could be used in creative practice? If I'm allowed to go first, if that's okay. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind, ironically, is the movie Artificial Intelligence from the 90s, if you remember that. No? Does nobody yes. remember this movie? Yeah, yes. With Haley Osmond. Yes, yeah. uh, Joel Haley Osmond. Yeah. Yes, correct. In that story, it tells of an artificial intelligence that is created into a, a child because this a couple can't have children in this world, so they create one 
and all the the different issues that comes up with that in terms of like where does the law come in who has power over these objects or humans or because it had consciousness at some point artificial intelligence i would get from that but in terms of modern day it's more an algorithm scanning and using a database that's generally what I've seen labelled as artificial intelligence. In the past, I've used a, a thing called Crayon, spelled C-R-A-I-Y-O-N. I'm assuming a software like that, you say there's a database of existing art that it draws from and then calculates how to like make something that's similar? So it depends from database to database. So it, it depends on how the algorithms can be used and how you draw the data and how you tell the program or the AI to then manipulate that or make it bigger or whatever it might be. So for example, we do have versions of AI art databases now that have a database of previously done artists work that it draws from. And what it'll do is it'll then layer over a lot of other types of AI artwork that it labels as in that genre. And it'll try and find commonplace lines. That's a lot of what this AI art does. So it'll find the commonalities between all drawings and then try and draw using those and expand upon it. See, I think I understood half of that. <laughs> Maybe less. Yeah, I don't know how to follow that up now. <laughs> Say something that I use, which is the most basic thing you can possibly use, dream or something like that. You put your code words, your, your words in as little triggers. So you might say golden apple. It will trawl the internet for all the images of golden and apples, or even golden apples, and then it amalgamates it all within a time frame, depending on how big that scope and scrape it has. So the more powerful the machinery, if you like, out there, the processing, etc., depends on how much it scrapes. That then can increase the complexity of what is the result in the end. Some of them are on their fourth, fifth iterations, etc. Like something like Mid Journey, yeah. that's on its fourth iteration, as I understand. Now, somebody's done a test where they were on, you know, the baby, if you like, of it, and put in something like otters reading their computers on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no, I should do. So when it first started, you could get the idea that it was something looking like an otter or it's some form of mammal on a plane, sort of, you know. But by the time that the fourth iteration has come along, which is very recently, it's absolutely pristine. It's hyper real. And this causes a lot of problems, I think. Mm. In essence, that's what it is. It depends on the trawl and the scape. I've noticed it depends on the software you use. Yeah, yeah. Mid-Journey mm. does landscapes brilliantly, mm. but it can't do a portrait to save its mm. life. Mm -mm. Right, right. Dream yeah. can do portraits yeah, but not really well, but it doesn't do landscapes stuff. that yeah. well. Yeah. So I really... It, I think it depends just on the database you use and the database they originally pull from. Mm -hmm. And because I, I think that's more to do with it than anything else. Yeah. It seems to be a tech limitation. I think some of the stuff that can be produced is like super fantastic. I think some of it's been used like in live gigging and everything. So, for example, the young woman who's created all the AI art and animation for the band Plaid, they've just gone out on tour. She actually produced all this beautiful, and it's fantastic, and mm. it looks it looks great in that context. Mm. 
it looks great in that sort of gig context and everything. Um, but I think that it has a look. Mm. It, 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 there is a particular look about it and everything. Mm. When you first told me about your art, mm. how you'd used AI, mm -hmm. I took it as an iterative tool. You'd use AI, but then you'd respond to it rather than that being the final output created through artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. Yes. And to me, I think that's the important step for people who are artists. It's part of the process and it's another tool to use rather than the output. The, the, the one time I used Midjourney was to like create a mood board rather than actually like producing it, you know. So the same way their process works. It's like making it to my own personal form of art rather than taking it completely and just changing a few and then calling it mine. Which is why I like it as an iterative tool. I like it. Like, the, I love the idea that you can use it as as Odette has been doing, and like it's part of the process. But I think the fear is that some of the standards and the quality of what you can actually see now from it, some people feel it's a direct challenge to them as a creative. So a direct challenge, particularly those who work in illustration, for maybe books or advertising and such like. The problem there is that they feel under threat from it, and it can be used for good like most technologies and things, and for bad. For me, I use the most basic thing possible as a form of idea. It does actually produce sometimes stuff that I personally, because I don't have the skill and ability as an artist, I'm not a great illustrator or anything like that. For example, something that I'm working on that will come out hopefully in January, it's producing the basis of artwork that I can work on. So it's my starting point. And then I'll work on it in my own way and try and make it my own because it can look a bit samey. It can look a bit plastic sometimes <laughs> or to, to get my, that super real. The authenticity. Yeah. 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 Well, I'd like to touch on what you said earlier as well. AI does open a lot of creativity. If you don't have yourself the skill, it opens that pathway to them. It allows them to create art without having the skill of having art. That being said, that can also be perceived as a negative. So you talked about earlier, mid-journey. I remember using it, I put in whatever prompts, like Morgan Freeman being a president. It makes an image and I can laugh at it because it doesn't have that breakthrough. I left it months later, I went back to it, made another prompt, and now it's more complex. You can have upscaling on it. You can have more descriptive, the environment, what the color is. And then when I looked at that, it's like, wow, it's a breakthrough. It learns and it develops. This is all based off people's prompts, you know. The AI collects the data and it learns from it. So when it gets another similar prompt, it will make a better version of what it had previously done before. So this is one of the main worries people, again, is that how fast it's developing. Some people might say, yes, I'll just use it for referencing and stuff like that. but. They don't take into the consideration the rate of development it's going. If I'm all right to jump in on that, actually. In terms of AI art evolving and the software specifically evolving at a, at a fast rate, yes, it is evolving fast, but it can't churn out original ideas. That's kind of the whole point of it. Mm -hmm. So to me, in the terms of what you were saying there, artists still have that creative right to be able to create something. The way that the software is being used is potentially where the issues lie, not the software itself. 
Do you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How you get your initial images, if you like, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about issues of copyright. Yes. And issues of, of ownership. Yes. And, and that's a very big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there is a version of AI software that will be coming potentially within the next five to ten years. So right now, if you're an artist on the internet and you want your art to not be used by AI software, it is very hard to stop currently right now in the the version of the internet that we're using currently. The version of the internet that's probably going to be in the next five to ten years, we're probably going to get things where you're going to be able to track what you post online so much easier and track who uses it because of the varying technologies that are coming up. So, for example, uh, an AI database will probably be created within the next five to ten years where you can opt in to having your art used and then what's the stop the original artist being paid for having part of their art being used? That's already in development. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got people like Holly Herndon and Matt Dryhurst who are forerunners of artistic and electronic music and everything, um, development of use of AI. They created Spawn, which is in essence a baby, technically an AI baby, and brought this baby along to be able to sing. And then Holly has used it in Holly Plus to sort of create an AI version of herself where you technically you can sing as herself, but she can also sing as Dolly Parton or she can sing as Frank Sinatra or sing of whoever that then is starting to slide into the realms of ownership again, of Mm -hmm. ownership of your voice, of your image. That's already here. They've already developed a software where artists can check if they've been scraped and to actually opt out. So that's already here now. You know, and that's that's when you were talking, Tyrone, about how fast this is going. Mm -hmm. It is going super fast. And I think that that's where we're all a little bit nervous yeah. about it. Because, <laughs> like, the reason why it's fast is because there's millions and millions of users doing AI art, and everyone, those millions of users, are putting in these prompts. So the rate of it learning all of this is because of us users putting in prompts. And I want to go back to the um, copyright stuff because I was doing the research for my dissertation. The data sets it has, like, for Midjourney or Dolly, where it's learning from. I learned there's a set called Lion 5B, which catalogs over 5 billion images from the internet. The copyright issues, right? How come we can't get a copyrighted content and post it on our blog? But for AI art, they can use those copyrighted content and post it online. People don't know about that because an average viewer would be like, oh yeah, I'll just prompt it in. Boom, there we go. Like going back to the artist that you said, that um, it could be another artist's work, which brings me to another point, which is like, there's three Frenchmen that developed this AI program. They were thinking of selling it to an auction. So they initially auctioned it for 10K, but at the end, they got it for $432,500. And it's like, it brings you back to that question. Is like, is there somebody else's art in that AI art? That's something that constantly is on my mind, increasingly, is that it's so easy to put the prompt in and then you you wait for however long you want to wait and up comes a picture. But what that's been created from is that scrape of all those images and there are people's work in there. So there are artists in there, you know, who some might be dead, 
and some might be alive, but there are still issues. That There's a sort of ethical question there that I think we need to sort of be very aware of. And mm. I, certainly myself, I think, I think it's why I'm dabbling on the edges with it, but I'm really loath to go any further. And it's why I sort of utilise it as a stepping off point, because I'm always conscious that there's something in there. You know, how do you make that more human, if you like? I'm still quite uneasy, even though I've used it. I'm still quite uneasy about using it. Earlier, we were talking about some of the challenges that are affecting artists as AI technology continues to grow and improve, including copyright, ownership, and the potential loss of income that artists might face if numbers of commissions suffer. But it was an email that you, Phil, sent to me which first kicked off the idea of discussing artificial intelligence and its use in the arts world. So, Phil, would you mind sharing with us about your competition, Ava, and how people can get involved in that? Ava is a competition that I've been running purely on social media through Instagram and Twitter. I've also created a website for it, which is ava.art so that's a-i-a-v-a.art really easy to find I've posted everything on there so if you want to get involved with the competition I've got videos of me explaining how it all works uh, the different uh, processes you can use if you look on the Instagram and the Twitter as well I've made videos of how to make AI art if you've never done it before so I used Midjourney I've created uh, some introductions as to how to get into it how you would start I come from social media management and marketing and PR. Uh, one of the main things that I see AI art used for and that I want to develop it for in the future is the marketing and branding purposes. Not just for big businesses, but for small businesses and individuals also, in a sense of that they're able to create and promote their brand in such a way that they feel like they're not limited to certain aspects or values that might end up putting a lot of additional cost onto either their promotion or their branding. I personally feel like AI art has a space to develop within that for marketing and for promotion of varying companies to be able to help promote easier and cheaper. And I think there's a version that I can create potentially that I'm hoping to create where artists get paid, creators get paid and users get paid. And the whole point of that I'm using of Ava is to try and to get not just more people into AI art, but digital art in general, just because for me personally, through my journey of discovering AI art, it's made me want to get into digital art and just to push myself more. So what that's had me discovering is there are AI art systems and software that are now being developed where it's not just scraping. Let's say, for example, you do a sketch you're doing a sketch of somebody sitting on a park bench but you don't have the time to fill out the rest of the drawing we're now getting to the point where we're going to be able to set an ai art to fill in the rest and follow the lines i was speaking to jay outside the studio earlier about uh, there was a pink floyd album cover don't steal that from me uh, <laughs> that was my one thing i'm i'm I'm, it, I'm referencing you so it's fine <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but an AI software that expanded upon a Pink Floyd album cover. Now, the original artist had nothing to do with that, but it's still in the same style. But now then, does that come under parody? And that's where you get it covered in the copyright, because that's fair dealing. Yes. yes. Or pastiche, or yes. perhaps yes. news value. Yeah. Yes. 
or any of the other exemptions of copyright according to UK law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that recently with Vermeer. There's a famous painting of the young woman, the milkmaid, and she's just on her own, so it's a beautiful picture. There was a part of me who went, well, why? It obviously scraped all the ideas of Vimeo and created this huge, like, where eventually she, this this young woman, the beauty of it is the, the smallness of the painting and the intricacies and the, the sort of intimacy of it. And she's got an audience in the end. There's an audience of blokes in, in sort of Puritan costumes sitting in the corner. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking, hang on, that went beyond the pale. <laughs> I just literally beyond the pale. I just thought, oh. no, this is this is why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, it's clever. Mm-hmm. It's super clever. And I can understand from a, a technician's point of view, somebody who writes maybe the code underneath and is involved in the technical and the engineering of it. Super clever. I, I respect that. But I just think, why? Hmm. Vermeer painted that very small painting. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I 100% get you with that. But for me, it's the same as music. If you speak to musicians, bands, artists, whatever it might be, one of the things that they'll always say is, oh, I was inspired by. And they will always have inspirations of other artists going along. There's a version of that that AI art presents. Let me give you an example. The famous Nighthawks painting of all the people sitting in a diner I think it's from the 40s or the 50s, I believe it is. Hopper? Hopper, yes. Nighthawks mm-hmm. by Hopper. I saw that the other day and I was like, that's that's really great. But I was like, there's something that was missing that I felt like could be done. So I used Mid Journey specifically. I wanted a version of it that was Blade Runner, like a Blade Runner type style or genre to it. And there was versions of that online, but I was like, there's for what I want to do, that's that makes sense because it's a blending of two styles that don't normally go together. And so I was able to create that through a few different iterations on mid-journey and post that on. But that was inspired by Nighthawks. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, it's... But, but the counter to that is, you know, there's a beautiful painting there. Why would you want to add something funny or something to the Mona Lisa or to some painting by Van Gogh or whatever? Part of me feels that it's great because we are building on and we've always done that. So, you know, you've had music through the ages from sort of when we first beat a few drums and things right the way through, you know, to all the different multi-multi genres that we have today and everything. Fine. And everything builds on each other as the technology is developed. So when you think of the development of, say, orchestras and classical music, you know, the development of violins and everything, the development of the piano, the pianoforte, the changes in the technology, the, the things that you make the music or you play the things on, changed the way that people wrote and then things got bigger and then the development and then there's different movements. We've always had different movements in art. But there are some things that I, I, I just think, well, why do we want to do that? Tyrone will probably be able to help me out on this as well, but I feel like the internet is just a huge part of that evolving. And especially things like memes, for Mm. example. Memes are now being considered art, which is a (laughs) wild thing to say in 2022. Internet is a wild place. They'll consider a lot of things art. Because, you know, art is subjective. And and so we're getting to a stage of... But most memes are things that have already been created that have been slightly tweaked. For example, 
Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3. Has anyone seen a Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. Spider-Man 3? The, 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 but the, I've seen the meme. You've seen the, <laughs> seen the film. <laughs> See, but exactly. I know what you mean. It's the, it's the scene the of walking. him going down the street yeah. and like, uh-huh. ah, like looking at all the girls and like winking. and, ah, and just, yeah. So does Tobey Maguire own that meme? Do, do the film producers mm. or the directors own oh. that meme? Mm. So this is, this is the general, this is, this is an internet thing. So the, the only, the, to me, the only reason that this problem exists is because the internet exists. But it, it makes every legal complexity like mm. unimaginable because yes. there's so many people who are sharing or commenting or like retweaking oh, yeah. that. There's no way that that can be policed exactly. unless you had all of the, the ability to police everybody in the world, which mm. doesn't exist yet. Yeah. So you have to count memes as a form of communication. Yeah. And because of that, and because of the way that we're evolving how we communicate as humans, I feel like AIR is a step in the direction of us being able to communicate with each other better. The processes of software that AIR uses is very similar to how your brain works. It fills in the blanks a lot of the time when we're using... (laughs) Okay, I I like this. I like this analogy. Yeah, (laughs) right. So... Eventually, I think we're going to get a point where AI software is so good at prediction. We're going to be able to predict things without having to use prompts. AI art is based on an algorithm. The algorithm just has to be applied to something else. Yeah, that's kind of like the baseline of everyone's, as an artist's um, main concern is that it can be applied to many things like automation will replace mechanics, automation will replace engineers. What's stopping AI to replace artists? Like as an average person, say I'm a fan of this show and I want to commission someone, what's stopping them from one click of a button and paying like, I don't know, 50 pounds or to commission an artist? That's just like the baseline of the concerns of artists being replaced by AI because it is fast evolving. But then again, I talked to some people and AI is not what they're scared of. It's the programmers because without the programmers, AI wouldn't be able to evolve. Programmers are actually like responsible for, well, half of the things that AI would essentially do because they're the one who's building this program to learn. They're the one building this program to collect data and helping it evolve. Mm. So it's, it's, it's essentially shifting the job. Mm-hmm. from being of a, someone with a drawing tablet to being somebody with coding skills. Yeah. It's a difficult one in some respects because I think you don't want to stop progress and this is progress. And there are positive things. I mean, you probably know a lot better than I do. The idea that, you know, you can be a writer and have writer's block and it will help you to sort of fill in the spaces. And AI has possibilities for people who might be visually impaired or who are disabled in some sort of ways to sort of enable them to do certain things that they, you know, they want to do, etc., art-wise or creatively or whatever it might be. So there are positives. And you know what? I do believe, a heart of hearts, that... People do will still want art created by a human being on their wall. It will not overtake the fact that somebody can take a complete blank space, a wall or a bit of paper or whatever it might be, and apply something onto it themselves and somebody will come along and go, I like that and I like it enough that I'll give you X amount for it, if you like, and I'll put it on my wall. And that's the whole thing, you know, that 
we're all photographers, for example, because we've all got camera phones mm. and we all take photographs of all sorts of things and we all put photographs up of whatever it might be, of our trips to wherever, our everyday lives, of what we've eaten last night and all of this stuff. But we still have people actually produce photographs for art which is actually bought and eventually put onto walls. We haven't lost that. But I would argue that we've probably lost some of it. But we It'd have lost some of it. Oh, yeah, we'd have. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with you there. At the end of the day, that art won't ever be generated if there was no prompt. Mm-hmm. So to, to me, that, that, that makes... A, a, it, it raises a philosophical question of did that art always exist before the prompt? No. So it, 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 <laughs> no. Or, how do, but how do you know? Because it was always existed throughout the algorithm, and w- was it just your prompt that allowed the access? If there was an infinite library, there's a concept, I can't remember the name of it, with an infinite number of pictures because every picture in there was a pixel, and, and you could have any infinite number of combinations, it could essentially create anything. Yes, there's, there's, there's a, a scale of infinity that would mean that everything in there would be covered. Mm-hmm. because somewhere within that library is a random scattering that just happens to create shapes and objects in the right place. It's just one times the power of like many thousands. In that sense, yes, but in a real-world sense, no. Because if I, as a person, I'm not skilled in art, if mm-hmm. I want to like learn how to draw and create something, that's going to take time mm-hmm. and effort and attention to detail. And you know, you've developed your career, Tyrone, as a character concept artist. It would take me years to get to where you are but not if I could just take a piece of AI and type in three words and then create a piece of character concept art, just like that. Yeah. Um, That's my concern about yeah. the whole thing. I think people do have different perspectives. Like, think of a flower. Uh-huh. What, I can see it. What is a flower? I can't draw it, you know what I mean? No. I can't draw in good complexity. Yeah, what is the flower you thought of? It's, a, it's an orange flower. It's got, like... Yeah. I, I thought of a sunflower, uh-huh. and it's yellow. So... We have different perspectives. I think with AI art, it loses that perspective. How do you mean? With us humans, we have that different perspectives like we just um, demonstrated. With AI art, as of now, it narrows down that perspective. It doesn't have people's imaginations. Imagination is a strong, strong thing. It's the sky's the limit. I think on that basis, for example, I come back to the boring thing, the golden apple. So two words, golden apple, right? Or you know, snake on a plane or whatever it might be. Because it's quite restricted, because depending on how complex the thing is and it's quite restricted, it will bring you back images which I feel start to get quite samey. But if you have a room, say we're in this room, the whole discussion that we've had so far today and how that's spread out and how it's just developed, it can't do that at this point at this point in time probably all around the room have our version of what we think a sunflower we've got a general gist of what a sunflower would be mm-hmm. but if you put prompts into some of the the ai programs i've found increasingly that it brings back stuff that and you go what 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 is that you know it, it it cannot cope with some of the complexities it can cope with simple concepts i think but the more complex, I think, which is what you were saying, correct me if I'm wrong, no, no, but no. the more complex that that might be, the whole discussion that we've had so far today and how that's spread out and how it's just developed, you can't do that at this point, at this point in time. On the topic of digital art again, like I'm 
obsessed with the generational graphics and things like that. And I look back at like the first use, which was Westworld, Yulebrenner, when he becomes the android. When that's first used, I believe it's the first noted version of CG use in television and media. Westworld. Westworld, Yulebrenner. Yeah, the, the original, original one. with the, the original from 1974. Yes, I believe it. I believe it's something like that. I imagine the person who created that first piece of CG, cinematic graphic, they probably had no idea how much that was going to be used further in the future. They didn't have any idea of how much that was going to be used in movies. But I don't know the name of the first person who created CG. I just know that it was Yul Brynner and it was Westworld. You could probably look into the credits, find out. That person who created that isn't massively famous for doing that. Yeah, so at the moment I am doing a lot of character concept art and branching off to environment art as well. There are times where I am hit with art block, as a lot of artists get, because there's so many things that come to play whenever I do art, because I put my mind on this and that and that, and then it gets too busy, and then boom, art block. So I think moving forward, I think AI art does help for me personally, because it's sort of abstract to me when I do prompts in AI. So with that, I take that to advantage. Like they would say, I would humanize it in a way to make it feel more personal and make it more original. Can I ask a philosophical question? You can ask a Phil. (laughs) (laughs) See what you did there? What's the name of my new podcast? Uh, (laughs) It started here. Is creativity a purely human function or is it related to consciousness? So, because we are human, we have access to consciousness. Yeah? No. I don't know. I feel like other animals are conscious. Okay. All right. Interesting point. So, let's take this to the nth degree. Another civilization on another planet that we discover in the future has had a lot of the varying stipulations that we've had. Oxygen, trees, water, a lot of the same things. They also have access to consciousness, but their art's going to be different than our art. So is it not art? Or is it, did it, Why does, it, it not have be to art? Be, does it have to be a human for it to be art? Oh, I see what you mean. No, I don't think it has to be human to be art, no. I see what you mean. If, if you're purely defining it on did somebody create it, then no, I don't, I don't think someone needs to create something to be art, no. Therefore, AI art steps in to fill in the blanks, to help. It's not filling in blanks, though. That's my point. It's, <laughs> it's, it's blanks depriving you, blanks. It's blanks if you don't know what the process is. I answered that one. <laughs> Tyrone, Odette, does art need to come from humanity? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, I yes, feel I like think it so, does. Because I think that Tyrone said it perfectly when he talked about imagination. What AI doesn't have is imagination. And we have imagination Mm. and we can be as imaginative as we like. It can produce beautiful stuff, admittedly, and stuff that I can't paint, draw or anything. But it it always feels slightly soulless. Mm -hmm. It always feels slightly flat and slightly soulless and somewhat the process always feels slightly for me that it's taken that humanity away from me. And I think that that's why I then take X amount of whatever has been created and then I sort of work on it and create something else that is more humanised if you like like Phil said a while ago without our imagination and prompts 
AI wouldn't have ever existed anyway. So if an AI was to make the art, again, um, echoing, it would feel soulless. Whereas a human creating art, they have that passion, they have that love, they have that skill, they have that talent in there, putting everything in there. That's what makes art from a human more appreciative. You can appreciate it more, you can like be more with it. And that's why artists, in some respects, shouldn't be too concerned in some respect. AI has, it's, it's here. We can't stop it. it. Like we couldn't stop the internet. It, you know, it's here. And whatever it's morphed into, the internet has great stuff and it has really horrible stuff. And don't we know it? The thing about AI is it has functions, but it will not replace somebody sitting down and creating something solely of their own and creating that because, as you say, it's part of them. When you, when you draw something or create something or do a piece of audio or whatever it is, it's from you. And the thing about the AI is a lot of it is it's not individuals. It's a set of programmes and everything and it's functioned by engineers behind who are probably not artists. <laughs> but then I disagree with the idea that art has to be good or has to be talented to be art. And I feel like, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. like no. if yeah. an elephant is painting with paint on a canvas, <laughs> that's still art. Yeah. And it's if... funny, I was thinking that. Right. Oh. I, I actually was thinking about... <laughs> I was thinking of the orangutan that did Yes. <laughs> and there's also the child who's like about two or three and has painted all these fantastic paintings and they've ended up on, you know, it's, it's a perfect example of something that's <clears throat> sentient, that's something that's got feelings, you know, that can feel things, is can express it. And yet, everything has a transmitter and a receiver. So maybe it takes us to appreciate the art. Maybe it takes the humanity to go, yes, I recognise that. I see value in it. Another example could be like a droplet of water splodging onto a rock. And I might think that there's some artistic value in that. And I might go, oh, I'd love to take a photograph of that. But without the human, we can't take the beauty in something else. Mm -hmm. or Not human necessarily, without the conscious, because I'm totally on side that alien art is art. <laughs> that's, that's a great podcast name to be. Alien art is art. Uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. It all depends down to the individual. I don't really think artists have too much to worry about. I think early adopters are always going to be the people that have advantages the most. Potentially with like time, what if we look back at like AI art and we go, ah, it's not compared to what we've got now in ten in 20 years time yeah maybe might... it's just a flash in the pan kind yeah. of thing or is it going to be like CG in movies where it gets used for everything oh god <laughs> and that, that that's 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 sort of what I was moving towards mm. then mm -hmm. I was thinking you know one of the first films ever to be shown to people was the train coming into the station I think it was about 1880 oh. something or other mm. and the audience had never seen anything like it obviously but just the fact that it's the moving pictures the fact that it was moving and this train was coming towards them and it's like oh my you know the and yet, what that audience, if you could transport that audience to even <laughs> what we see on the screen today, mm. and it's there and it's on the screen, and it comes back to the sort of how super real and how, how hyper it is. But what you have, but in gaining that, it's not the same as somebody who's painting um, something. Like if you look at, Van, say, a Van Gogh. And you look at that and you can see all his brush strokes and the colours that he used. Mm. And that was his style. You know, it's his personal thing. That was him and his humanity coming out in that. 
It's great in some ways. It's fantastic to see all of these things and experience all these things. But you still look at that and go, I like that. You know, that a machine didn't make that. You know, a, a, a box didn't make that. A person made that. Or a sentient being. <laughs> being an alien or an elephant <laughs> or whatever it might be. Through discovering AI art, I think it's really converted me, to be honest with you. I think I'm just all in now. Originally, my competition was only going to run for four weeks. That was three weeks ago. This was meant to be the last week. And I've just decided I'm going to keep extending it and just keep doing it. Because there's a genuine community there as well. That's one of the things I don't think we've uh, actually touched upon. There is a genuine AI art community on social media that are really interested in the types of things that people can create and about prompt crafting and prompt engineering and why certain things work a certain way. They are genuinely really helpful and they're all humans at the end of the day and they're all having the same experience that we're having they're all having the same thoughts of like is this morally correct is the, is that ethics behind this and they're they're all the same the thing that i actually really enjoy about the community is that we're all going through the experience together and that's kind of what i like about the human element of it the ai can't replicate that no ai can replicate that i'm gonna steal a quote from i saw this on a, a vsauce video initially oh i love vsauce love it Yay, Vsauce. Um, it's a quote from Richard Fenniman. He says, To every man is given the key to the gates of heaven. The same key opens the gates of hell. And so it is with science. And I would add, and so it is with art. I think that's a fantastic quote. And that is all from today's Arty Party. My name's Jay Sykes. Thank you so much for stopping in. I'd like to thank all of our guests for taking part today. That's Odette Johnson, a.k.a. Musilian, Tyrone Santiago, and Phil Christopher. At the moment with Arty Party, I'm building up a directory of artists and creatives using artyparty.com. So if you're interested in having a free space online that talks about you, your work, your practice, then get in touch. Already there's a few dozen artist profiles up on there, so you can head to artyparty.com to check those out. That's arty with a Y, party with an I, yi.com. Arty Party is made possible thanks to support from our generous Patreon supporters. They are photographic artist Joe Howell and visual artist Stephanie Smith. And if you're interested in joining them, oh my goodness, I'm going to be your best friend. That's all for me. My name's Jay Sykes, and thank you for joining today's Arty Party. Broadcast first on Spark, where Sunderland lives. You're lovely, Adet. Thank you so much. Thank you very joining. much. Thank you so much. Lovely. It's been a lovely talk. <laughs> that was really enjoyable. That was great. That was fun. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, Jay.